یہ انٹرنیشنل گیم ہے اس میں دماغ سے کھیلا جاتا ہے غصے سے نہیں Hello everybody and welcome to episode 89 of Hoop Darshan. Hoop Darshan! Episode number 89, Karan. Can you guess how many people have worn jersey number 89? I'm going to take a wild guess and say zero. You will be wrong. Oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so as well, but when I looked up basketball reference, I found two players. Okay. One, a Clyde Lovelett who wore number 89 for the Minneapolis Lakers back in the 50s. First of all, what a lovely And name, Clyde Lovelett. You know? It's a great name. They don't, it, they don't it, make them like that anymore. It's such a 50s, like, white guy name, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to guess um, he's a white guy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, I think it's a safe guess. Yeah. Um, and the other one is a little bit more recent. Uh, also, uh, probably a very 2015s-like name. Okay. Um, Lou Amundsen, when he played for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Okay. So... A, a, a proper 50s guy and also a proper 2010s guy. Oh, okay. Awesome. Um, like, well, why would Lou Adminson take, like, uh, number 89? Maybe it's... Uh, may- See, I can only think two reasons for that. Either he was born in that year. Yeah. Or he was making a Clyde Le- Lovelett-like reference. He was like, yo, I love my boy Clyde Lovelett so much. <laughs> I need to wear his number. <laughs> He was definitely born in 1982, so he, oh, okay. uh, it's only it's only obvious that he was paying homage, paying homage to, to Clyde Lovelet. Clyde, yeah. Clyde Lovelet. That's But you know, the 89 uh, finals are, uh, are 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 the year that because uh, you, you know we we we've also been doing the finals as we have been also uh, you know mm-hmm. doing the jersey numbers, and it's the year yeah. that like the the Lakers Celtics sort of uh, command of the NBA officially ended. I think that was the yes. year when the Pistons swept the 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 Lakers in the finals and uh, it was first the first of two back to back Pistons titles overall three titles um uh, yep. so yeah so so and that's the bunch of, bunch of bad boys then bunch of bun- just just gunde just bunch of gunde you know <laughs> um yeah excellent stuff excellent stuff so uh, karan as always before we proceed to our special guest interview we've yes. got a few indian basketball things to round up a lot going um, on yeah lot lots going on uh, which is probably a, like a it's mostly a bad thing but i think for the most part it's a good thing this time around um and the first of which is the 2021 fiba asia cup qualifiers are this yeah. week so our, our national team makes its way to the court after what seems like a very long time between the last time we sort of played two games yeah it's been it's been a long time right like it's been um i don't even remember when we played games that that mattered in a way you know just just put it that yeah. way like it's uh, uh, and these games are uh, so 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 fiba asia has also changed its format a little bit and i'm all mm-hmm. actually i'm all in for these changes where they're doing what fifa do which is in you know they're actually making every team qualified in these qualifying windows in the yeah. middle of in, in in the middle of like what would be Most the seasons in the world what would be the season i was going to say yeah. <laughs> unfortunately uh, indian basketball doesn't have the luxury of seasons at this point we we just have to roll with like hey man vishesh what are you up to i'm nothing i'm chilling in banaras okay 
Something. Hey, the good the good point about not ever having a season uh, of it being off season always is probably also that it's on season always. So we can spin it any which way. Yeah, yeah, it's um, you know we are um, our team is uh, this is all our national players look forward to. They have nothing else, yes. you know, and yeah. I mean that I I I I mean that as a. As something I feel sorry for them, you know, like it's it's sad that they that they don't have a league, and again we don't want to go down that dark rabbit hole once again, like we <laughs> always took, do. It took just a few minutes. It's but less but than but five but, minutes in. but anyways, yeah, okay. Let's not get let's not get distracted. Let's talk about the the FIBA Asia Cup qualifiers. The the team was named yeah. a few days ago. Uh, India is playing against uh, Bahrain and Iraq, and of course our main man. Benjamin Button, Benjamin Banarsi, Banarsi Mamba, eighteen-year-old upcoming superstar, eighteen-year-old upcoming so eighteen going on thirty. Um, <laughs> Vishesh Bhugavanshi is the captain of this team. Uh, one of my all-time favorite basketball players of any country. I don't even. It doesn't even matter that he's from my hometown in Varanasi. Of course, it helps. But <laughs> um, but yeah. So I'm happy he's on this team because a lot of our other players that we've discussed in past episodes are not. Other important players, yeah. Amjot isn't because of suspension. Satnam isn't because of the failed dope test. Um, the other important players that who are on this team is Amrit Pal Singh. Uh, um, he, he's bounced back pretty well from his injury a couple of years ago, and um, they went. Uh, BFI went like kind of did a throwback thing, and they invited Jagdeep Singh back to this team. Now Jagdeep wow. Singh, Jagdeep Singh Baines, if you guys are in with Indian basketball, he was. Uh, people would argue that he, uh, between you know i would say 2007 to 11 his stretch he was probably one of the most athletic players maybe the most athletic player india has ever produced between him and tj sahi right so but but he had a major injury too and he was really out of the international circuit so i honestly don't as much as i uh, enjoyed jagdeep's legacy and his game i think bringing him back means this desperation from from the indian side that they really that they really need players at this point you know yeah, because yeah. because jagdeep is way past his prime absolutely um, and, and it either tells me one of two things that the young generation is sort of not ready to step in or there's just not enough experience in the team and his his role probably is to bring that that sort of a, um that sort of experience into the into the team and it's either way it's not it's not ideal Yeah, it, it, it's it's the first team after a long time in a major tournament where Yadvinder Singh is in there, and Yadu mm-hmm. he's sort of like just a linchpin for the for the national team. You know, he he he's been like a, like a Udonis Haslam for the Heat. You know, he's just <laughs> always there. Like even if he doesn't play that much, he's just there. His presence matters a lot. Yeah. A great locker room guy. So, so and what uh, we need though is a is a bunch of Bam Adebayo's. <laughs> so they're. they're I wish there were there were some bams. The, 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 these guys look like um, the the Knicks bench, unfortunately. But uh, <laughs> no, no. But on the bright side, um, a couple of good young players have made this team: Prince Pal Singh and Aman Sandhu. And um, looking forward to their performance at this. Uh, hopefully, they get to play. Like and I, I know you mm-hmm. and I always get excited about the the youth in a national team. But when you actually look at the box score after the games finish. You know, uh, they only get to it'd play be like ten f- minutes, five minutes. It, they don't really yeah, get be, that much. It'll yeah. be five starters who play thirty-seven minutes. Exactly, that's the Indian basketball <laughs> way, right? Um, <laughs> I'm looking at the team right now um, in front of me. Uh, so 
Moen Beck, Hafiz is there, Joginder Singh, the point guard, Prasanna Sevakumar, um, Prashant Singh Rawat from Uttarakhand, uh, and a couple of like sort of uh, trusted and experienced bigs, uh, Aravind Anadurai and uh, Arvind Arumugam are there. Um, and well good, good effort pronouncing th- those names. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I, I I wanted to make you proud. And 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 most frustratingly, the Indian Railways player named Sahil is there. And I'll tell you why it's frustrating to me. Because there's no last name. His his name is just fucking Sahil. <laughs> like that's it. No, I think I think I think this is the Delhi Wala Sahil or Haryana Wala Sahil. Can't be sure. But he's in, in a national team now. So Sahil, no last name, has made it. He's sort of like Pele, I guess. Just just one name. Um Yeah. Uh, I, I, I I love how that like how much that bothered you. <laughs> It bothers me so much. So, so when I used to work at BFI, th- th- this used to get on my nerves more than anything else. Because, I, 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 like, you know, I, I have, like, uh, m- my first job was with, Time, was with Times of India. And I, ha- I have, like, certain, like, journalistic rules in my head that I must follow. Yeah. And, and one of them is that when you mention somebody's name, you give the full name. And then every other time, you use only their last name. Yeah. So whenever I come across a Sahil and then I have to use like, you know, I have to put Sahil scores. It's just, come on, dude, what's your last name? Just give Sahil Kumar, Sahil Singh, whatever it is. Just let's, let's just get it, you know, or I'm going to, or we should just make up a new last name every time we, we introduce him and just, it'd be like the mystery player. <laughs> Sahil Butter Chicken. Sahil Butter Chicken. There we go. Um, so yeah, so uh, now that I've said this team, Kaushik, you, uh, any anything else that stands out except for our captain Vishesh? Uh, no, I'm, I'm just like you. I'm also looking forward to seeing if uh, if the likes of you know Prince Pal and Avans and they'll sort of get a chance to prove their talents because yeah. like they they're names that we've heard of in the last couple of years as very very promising. You know, the yeah. next generation of Indian young players. Yeah. Um, so if if they get any chance, any exposure at this level, it's going to be. Like every minute's going to be massive for them. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, hopefully, like all the progress that they've been making at various sort of global camps and NBA India sort of initiatives and stuff like that, all that uh, comes to fruition here. Yeah, so we should beat both these teams. They're both ranked lower than us in Asia. But that's, you know, that's interesting. I thought I thought Iraq was making a comeback in the last couple of years. Um, Iraq had, I think. Yeah, sorry, go on. I think they had like a really impressive tournament a couple of um, couple of editions ago, uh, and they're just like a really massive team. So in, in the same way that India sort of made a dent with mm-hmm. huge um, huge players who are like who are a problem even at the Asia level, like mm-hmm. Amritwar and Amjot, when they sort of burst onto the scene, uh, teams didn't know what to do with them. Mm-hmm. And my understanding was that Iraq probably had a, a phase like that as well. Maybe maybe they're having a phase like India again where they suck. So <laughs> no no so so this is why I said we should beat them. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. we we are also higher ranked in Syria and, and as we know very recently we lost to them twice. Uh, so I, I I'm going I'm saying they should based on FIBA rankings. The FIBA rankings actually move slower than than real real life previews. Uh, True. <laughs> I, I think the India Iraq game w- will be a very close game. And uh, anything but a win against Bahrain would be highly disappointing. Yes, but, Absolutely, yeah. But, 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 you know, you know how it is with Indian basketball. At this point, the disappointment has become our, our dear friend. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. 
So we'll I see. I call it BFI. Call it the DFI. The disappointing Federation. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Dude, shots fired. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so uh, uh, I want to move on to some slightly better news. Or maybe it's better. I don't know. Um, monumental Sports. <laughs> um, the, the company that owns the Washington Wizards who were in, while I lived in America, they were my, you know, unwitting home team. Uh, have now <laughs> gone in partnership with Mahindra, like the Indian Mahindra. Wow! With 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 dreams of becoming, you know, like the Sacramento Kings, also India's team. So for some reason, we only have non-playoff teams clamoring for our affections in India. <laughs> um, I, I wish them the best of luck. So, yeah, sorry, go on. <laughs> are you saying that? At some point in time in the next few years, yes. there's a there's a low chance that we might see the Washington Jadu girls written on their jersey. The Washington Jadu would be amazing. I already made the joke on Twitter that John Wallace signed up for the sequel to the to the movie Divar. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's gonna be awesome. Um, and the last <laughs> bit of news before we move on to our special guest is uh, this is definitely good news. Uh, is that uh, so recently at the All-Star Weekend, they held the Global Basketball Without Borders camp. And three Indian players, Aman Sandhu, who we recently mentioned, has made the national team. Uh, Harsimran Kaur, who um, I did a story on, one of the best young uh, players out of India. And Sia Dhyodhar. All three of them have were invited to the Basketball Without Asia, Basketball <laughs> Without Borders uh, Global Camp. And um, they did really well. Now, out of these three... Harsimran has been invited to the NBA Global Academy camp in Australia for the second time. And Aman has made the Indian national team, of course. Aman Sandhu happens to have possibly the best nickname in all of sports history. And I don't know, it's up there in, in the top five. Do you know what his nickname is, Kaushik? See, I feel like you've told me this, but I don't remember now. Big Baby Punjab. It's yes, great. yes. <laughs> it, it, it's awesome. And, and I think the nickname, so, so I remember seeing this guy when he was 14 years old. And he really was a big baby. He was just like all baby fat. And if you see him now, this is like four or five years later. The guy is lean. He looks like a baller. And a good touch. Like he, he, he is more than a lot of guys. I feel like he, if, if, he, if it clicks right for him, if he works, he works at it, he, he, he could be um, sort of very, a regular player in a national team in the coming years, you know? That's amazing. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait to... Uh, see how the BFI messes him up. <laughs> oh, come on. Don't be depressing. Maybe yeah. he, All right. Maybe, All right. Maybe, I, can't wait, I can't wait to see him be the next sort of YouTube highlight uh, that you can find in like the Indian Kobe and stuff like that. So, All right. Listen, That's, that sounds a lot better. <laughs> the best case scenario is he'll, because he's with the NBA India Academy, you know, he's going to mm-hmm. make it to a level of hopefully Juco or uh, NCAA some level and, you know, like who knows? He's, he's okay, how's, how's this? How's this? Yeah. How about I hope that Aman Sandhu has a better career than Punjabi rap star Aman Sandhu. There's a Punjabi rap star named Aman Sandhu. Uh, he's he's like the first fifty thousand results when you. Are you serious? Yeah. Okay. I definitely exaggerated on that number, <laughs> but I can't find Aman Sandhu basketball at all. Like the first. Are you spelling his name right? It's A-M-A-A-N. Oh, that's probably it. Yeah, it's a single A. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> or, you can, or you can write Big Baby Punjab. 
I'm sure I'll find him with this. <laughs> but yeah, well, well, I hope the same. I hope he has more. Uh, he has a brighter career than single A Aman Sandhu. Um, <laughs> yeah, and on that note, Kaushik, since we talked about the All Star break, that's where these guys had their basketball with the Borders camp. I I want to get like one of the foremost experts in NBA basketball, NBA mathematics, NBA like brain waves, all of that on our podcast right now. Someone who was in Chicago for the All Star Weekend, someone who will who was in India actually for the NBA India game. Someone who I work with, Micah Adams, he's gonna come on this podcast now and just break down a lot of stuff for us. So I'm happy to welcome the great Micah Adams to Hoop Darshan. Micah is the NBA global managing editor for Dazen, and I hope that pronounce it I pronounce it right because no one ever does. And he's the co-host <laughs> of NBA Sound System. Now I've also had the privilege of working with him for over a year on the NBA India website, and then working with him in person uh, when he was in Mumbai recently for the NBA India games in October. Uh, Micah, what's up, man? How you doing? What's up, fellas? Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. I'm so glad that like we we get to reconnect. Like actually, I mean, we email each other all the time, but I haven't actually spoken to you since Mumbai. So it's it's great yeah. to like, just like reconnect in this way again. Yeah, doing this over Skype from three different places, we might as well be at the uh, the arena in Mumbai again. So. <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> now, so, so Micah was very recently at the All-Star Week in Chicago, and we've been recording this on the 19th of uh, Feb in India. Oh, I guess all, all of us are, it's the 19th of Feb right now. And um, so, so you have just returned from Chicago, right? I'm sure yeah. all, all those feelings are yeah. fresh right yeah. now. Yeah, so tell me about that experience. Like, I, I want to know sort of the first few flashbulb memories. Not on court, we'll get to that later, but generally the Chicago memories that you have coming back. Yeah, I, look, man, it, so the, the All-Star Weekend was in Charlotte last year, which is where I live. Okay. And uh, this this could not have been more different in every way uh, for the better, man. The, the, uh, the buzz, the buzz was crazy. I mean, even just like, Walking into the United Center, like walking by the Michael Jordan statue, mm. uh, instead of here in, in Charlotte, literally walking by Michael Jordan's statue because he just doesn't move or have any energy. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait, wait! Let me interrupt you. It's isn't it better to walk past the real Michael Jordan than the statue of Michael Jordan? Yeah, but well, he actually he actually has to be there, be there, and uh, make his presence felt for for that to be the case, which was not the case uh, in Charlotte last year. So, uh, no, nah, but I mean, like all the all the buzz around, uh, obviously, uh, you know, Kobe's presence sort of loomed large, uh, mm-hmm. which which I actually, I mean, it was it was all great. I don't I don't think that there were there were it was overly sad. I think if anything, it was just a. A great celebration. I think the the intro on on Sunday night was was awesome with him. And then you you see you see things popping up later, like you know, like Allen Iverson and D Wade. Yeah, yeah, you know, have, have their warm embrace, which was awesome. the The whole weekend was great, man. Chicago is a is a phenomenal all star city. Once you get past the point that it was like zero degrees outside, <laughs> it was uh, it was fine. And. Was it so? So I've only attended one All Star Weekend that was in LA, like almost a decade ago, and and so I can't really compare between a quote unquote big city All Star and a small city All Star. You know, like and I'm not saying Charlotte is a small city, but I'm just saying in uh, in relation to what Chicago or LA might be, uh, and and so so how how different is the vibe 
in just in general being in a, being in Chicago versus being in Charlotte? Uh, I mean, Char- Charlotte and Chicago could—they literally couldn't possibly be any different from mm. size, from scope, from the feeling of just it being at a big event. My, uh, I will say, I think my favorite all-star all-star destination is New Orleans, though. I don't think anything huh. can touch New Orleans. Huh. We, the all-star game there a couple years ago was in the middle of, of the big Mardi Gras parade. Yeah, in celebration too, which like all-star weekend might as well be like NBA Mardi Gras, <laughs> and then you put it in a real actual Mardi Gras. It's yeah, yeah. insane. Um, well, and I mean, my favorite thing about um, the all-star weekend was that it's yeah, yeah, like the game matters, sure, and it matters a lot more to the people watching on TV than than people who are actually in town. I mean, that's my opinion. I, I just felt that the weekend itself, it, it, felt, it feels like, and not just the NBA, it feels, it feels like a, a basketball, like, world conference. Like, where everyone who's connected with basketball in any, any way is there. So, it's, it's just such a great way to meet, like, great minds from all over the world who care about the sport. You have media from all over the world there. You have, like, you, you're walking on the corner and you see some random legend. You'll see Yao Ming, who's randomly there. You'll see... Alan Iverson's randomly there. Like it just, it just feels like, um, like it, it just brings the basketball world together in a very special way. I I couldn't agree more, and it's something that is entirely unique, I think, to All Star Weekend. Because like you, like if you go to like the NBA Finals or the mm-hmm. draft or wherever, like you see kind of the same thing, right? You see people from all different walks, but everyone is there, you know focused and intent on what they're doing versus all-star weekend. It's just like there are former players. There are people from every, like you said, every corner of the earth and mm-hmm. every like part of the industry too. Yeah, I mean, there yeah. are, there are comedians there. There are like the crazy diehard analytics guys. There are GMs. There mm-hmm. are influencers. There are fashion people. There are recording artists. There are actors. There's just celebrities. I mean, we're, we're standing in the elevator to, to walk upstairs and like Mark Cuban is just like chilling, talking to normal people, having, having a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I met, I met the Nick Elam guy who, uh, oh, wow. who created for the game. I mean, it's it like, when I say that, like literally everyone was there, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's literally everyone in basketball circles is I mean, there. It's an awesome. President All-Star Obama was great. there. Um, yeah, I left out Obama. It's, it's insane. Uh, and, and and from the Indian perspective, we sent. Uh, I, I won't say uh, like the most like just like I, I won't call him a fringe cricketer, but you know like he's not the most famous cr- cricketer. She has a year. She has He was there at the All Star Weekend, and I, I'm not 100 percent sure he knew what was happening, but he was there. So <laughs> I would, dude. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know what the hell was happening either, man. It's 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 an absolute zoo. It's crazy that I will say the um, we didn't know Obama was going to be there. Yeah, and he showed up on Friday. Yeah, to where like the uh, the uh, there's basically like a second arena hmm. where they had like the Rising Stars practice, all the media availability yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, and we're wondering like why security was so crazy on the Friday there. We're like it was we we no one knew what was going on. Yeah, and yeah. then we left, and then all of a sudden like looking at. At Twitter, like, oh, Obama just like made a surprise That's appearance. Crazy. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and it's, I mean, it sounds funny that that you say that you know you're surprised by security because you do have, like, you know, for example, every room LeBron James walks into, like, he's gonna be have like a hundred people around him at any given point, right? Um, so, but 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 like someone like Obama is just 
to the next level and i remember like it it's this is going to sound kind of bittersweet but i've only seen this level of interest around kobe like when he used to walk into a room and i've covered the nba china games or covered all star like he would really bring in everyone of every industry just around him um the security would be crazy like it, it would really feel like a a super celebrity just walked through the door yeah absolutely well i mean it's just one of those things where like if lebron's there you know it's a big deal if yeah. barack obama's there you know it's a big deal if kobe bryant's there you know it's a big deal i mm-hmm. i i couldn't agree more kobe's uh you know uh, i probably there's i i honestly especially because of the way that he sort of uh embraced being sort of that uh, that face of the league, both both while he was playing and after, I think mm-hmm. even more so than somebody like Michael Jordan, who's just like shrouded in mystery and yeah. keeps to himself. Like Kobe, just brought an energy out of people mm-hmm. um, that you could basically touch it. So uh, that all of that was uh, was palpable uh, at All Star Weekend. So, Michael, you mentioned uh, seeing Nick Elam. How do you pronounce his name? Elam. Elam. Um, yeah. So yeah. So like, he he must have left this weekend as one of the heroes, right? Because the Elam ending worked. Uh, it it really became like I I I I'll, I'll confess I was a bit um, like I knew about the Elam ending, but I really didn't like it. I I didn't like it for the NBA. But I watched the All Star Weekend and it seemed to work. Like the players really cared. They were taking charges. They were like they, they were getting scared in the clutch. You know. Which was really awesome to see. Um, so, what was your opinion being there, actually watching the All Star Game and this new twist in the ending in person? I thought it was amazing. So, I'm I'm someone that was in the camp of I could not. So, when they when they announced the rules for it, mm-hmm. and like half of NBA Twitter is just like completely losing their minds because <laughs> people people apparently think like basic like basic edition is impossible <laughs> and no one's gonna know what the hell they're playing to and People in the arena are going to be confused. They did a great, they did a, this is like low key, really important. Yeah. They did a great job like presenting the quarter by quarter. Yeah. They were adding it up as it went along. So at no point was anyone confused about like, okay, who's winning? Who's leading? Who's mm-hmm. winning this quarter? Who's up overall? How many do they need to, like, they, they presented it really well, which is, which is important. Yeah. And I just, I, I think it, I think it was an absolute slam dunk. I, I think it worked out better than anyone uh, could have possibly imagined. Mm. I, they, those guys, they, they really were playing. Yeah, uh, it was intense. They were playing like it was a playoff game. Like it, yeah. it was pretty crazy. The and not just the fourth quarter. Like the the way that they had it set up with the celebrities. Like the end of the last two minutes of the third quarter. Mm. Uh, you know, forget say the fourth quarter itself never even happened. Yeah, the last two. So the third quarter was like the most competitive All Star mm. uh, on the court thing I, I've seen in God years, probably probably ten or fifteen years. So it was great. Yeah, it reminded me of like the early two thousand All Star games. Like the, there was that one where Iverson and Marbury had the big comeback, and then there was the one that went overtime where MJ hit that big shot. Like like it reminded me of those days, and and it was kind of interesting that um, they took. Or I mean, no, not that I took the Elam ending because because I feel like it would have been. I think All Star games are intense if it's close. It if in the in the yeah. fourth quarter, the you know it's it's within five to ten points. Those guys are obviously naturally competitive, 
but it did help to have this ending. Um, uh, well, hey, real quick, one other thing that I that I that I think deserves a lot of credit for this too mm-hmm. is, and there were um, there were a bunch of writers uh, making remarks after the game that having the kids from the charities yes. right on the floor cheering, losing their minds, yeah, and like yeah. half rooting for one team, half rooting for the other. People were like, like I think Mark Spears was like, ah, oh, whoever. Whoever came up with this idea deserves a promotion. It's amazing. It's genius. Well, you know where they tried that first? They tried it in Mumbai. Yeah, and it worked. <laughs> exactly. And it awesome. Yeah. Well, so, and it's funny because like Mark, like, uh, the NBA India games coming full circle. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, we were gonna get in that later. It's funny because like Mark was here in Mumbai. Like he saw that in person. So so he should have made that connection like straight away, right? Um, but yeah, like I'm I'm glad that that worked out too. Um, Anything else from the weekend, like in terms of, uh, like, were you also as disappointed with the dunk contest as the rest of us? Or not disappointed with the dunk contest, it, but disappointed with the result? Yeah, I, I definitely wasn't disappointed because, man, if we get a dunk contest like that every year, like, yeah. I'm, I'm all the way in. That was yeah, yeah. great. Uh, yeah, the result, I think Aaron Gordon kind of got, kind of got screwed and robbed a little bit. I am, I do think it's funny though how much attention that got because, like. It, Ultimately, it's a meaningless dunk contest, right? Yeah, yeah. But like the degree to which he's pissed off, and like he's given <laughs> up interviews, and people are saying that things are broken, and there's all this like outrage. Like I kind of don't understand the outrage. Like it's a slam dunk contest. Like people need to relax a little bit. So, um, so, so, so it was I'll, great. So I'll defend the outrage in a way. Is that, I think as adults, it doesn't matter, but it really matters if you are like an if you're a kid. And I, I mean, if I go back and, you know, if, if, if I go back to my 10, 11 year old self and I'm watching this dunk contest and I see like Aaron Gordon lose, I would be heartbroken. I'd be like, this is not like, how is this even happening? <laughs> what, what's gone wrong with the universe for, for him not to win? And I'm again, not saying that Derek Jones Jr. wasn't just incredible, just incredible himself. He was, he was, he was awesome. I just felt, I just feel the need to change the scale a little bit. Everyone getting 10s all the time isn't really working out. They need to sort yeah. of be a bit more uh, stingy with, with the tents. What? What? What do you guys think? What? So, and maybe this is only for tiebreakers, but like, there's five. As long as you have an odd number of judges, why not just have both guys dunk, and then judges just hold up a card with one of their heads and say like, "This guy was better. Mm, this guy was better." Guy was better. Yeah, it's yeah. really not that hard. Yeah, that's great. Like, that's one of the better suggestions that I've heard. And uh, you know, there's so much in the view of, you know, uh, trying to fix the system and stuff like that. I've heard stupid ideas like make it 100 points instead of 50 as if that's <laughs> going to change anything. Hey, I like the 100-point <laughs> idea. I'll, I'll, I Everyone's just going to get 20 I, I don't, five years I don't know. It might make it a bit more skewed. But anyways, yeah, go on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think your idea is great, Micah. It, it, it forces you to pick and it's going to be an odd number so you'll always have a winner. Um, no, it's good, and you don't you don't depend on the five guys trying to do math and That's making great. sure that they add up to the same score. <laughs> no, exactly. So, so, so my radical idea was that after, like, say you do say you do the finals and you do one round of the finals and they and they are equal, then to actually win it, then they have to dunk on each other. They got to posterize each other, oh. and then, and then the better one wins. <laughs> you will literally never get any good player to actually do it. Like, no one. <laughs> really good does it anyway anyway so who cares i will say i think you know with with how this one went and how competitive it was 
And then, like, next year, maybe we get John Morant and Zion and Z- Brandon Clark. Like, we could have – we could be set up here for a pretty awesome run of dunk contests. I hope Zion does it because, like, everything Zion does breaks the internet. And if he just decides, like, he's going to walk around the dunk contest, it'll be, it'll be the biggest thing. Yeah, the last, uh, the last two minutes of the Rising Stars game yeah. on Friday <laughs> – it basically tried making it into a Zion dunk contest. He missed all of them. Yeah. So. It, dude, his misses are better than most people's dunks. So it's amazing. 100%. Yeah. His, his misses were the best part of that Rising Stars <laughs> game. So, Mike, I wanted to chat to you a little bit You know, outside of the uh, All-Star Circus. You, you wrote a brilliant article about Kobe Bryant called Appreciating Greatness, uh, where you praised... Where he praised a number of star players, you know, as they as they try to continue Kobe's legacy, his impact is obviously felt by a lot of different players, and you, you saw that in the first few days and in, in all of the emotional outbursts and everything like that. So, um, I want you to sort of speak to us about the the journey of sort of motivate what motivated you to work on that article and you know things that interesting things that you probably learned uh, in the way of researching that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that you know. One of the uh, recent lasting sort of uh, ways that I will remember Kobe more than, you know, beyond the even what anything he did on the floor was just the way that people talked about him and the sort of uh, the legend of Kobe sort of became had this, this sort of life of its own that transcended the sport itself. And, and sometimes in great ways and sometimes in not so great ways. I mean, there are people that uh, would would get caught up. And if, you know, how, how many times have you heard people have a, you know, Kobe isn't as good as Michael Jordan debate. And then that turning into people just like dumping on Kobe hmm. or saying he's overrated or saying, well, if he's not Michael Jordan, then he, you know, then, then w- w- what are we even doing here? And I think a lot, and I'm certainly... I, I would never have taken it that far, but I'm certainly guilty of being someone that I don't think, uh, in retrospect, looked back and appreciated Kobe for truly how remarkable he was uh, as a person, as an athlete, as an ambassador to the game. Uh, I mean, he's somebody who who truly who truly cared, uh, and it was not an affront. I think, uh, you know, one of the one of the things I think that uh, LeBron gets a little bit of flack for is sometimes his the way he talks about the game or the way he talks about uh, greatness or the sport itself, sometimes it could feel a little bit contrived. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that it's contrived. I don't actually believe that, but I do understand how people can, can hear that and that comes across. I never, ever, ever got that feeling uh, with Kobe. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the, one of the things that, you know, as, as the days went on after, after the, the horrible news, I found myself watching, you know, rewatching just like everybody just going to YouTube and watching old clips of Kobe games, whether it's, you know, the, the 81 point game or all-star games, or I, I watched the 97 rookie game from, from start to finish. And I found myself just appreciating, way more the things that he was able to do on the floor and everything that he stood for off the floor in and around the game. And so that was sort of the inspiration for the idea of 
taking more of a glass half full approach with everyone that was collecting, uh, you know, coming down on Chicago and trying to really shed some light on some positive things that uh, each player brings to the game that go beyond just the, he's a great scorer, he's a great rebounder, you know, plus minus stats or, you know, something as simple as like, the way Luka Doncic is always smiling and how he has so much fun on the court or, uh, you know, like Le- LeBron's ability to uh, to open up and to, to speak to an arena full of people uh, in their first game back. And, and the fact that, you know, that he's a Laker and that basically everything that's happened in LeBron's career sort of brought us to this point where he's sort of able to be the one that leads us through uh, – as a basketball community, morning, morning Kobe. And there are, there are just, there are things that every single player that was there at all-star and, and ones that weren't, but uh, guys that were at all-star that I think that you can look at a little bit differently and really appreciate the unique quality that they bring to the floor. So, um, you know, I think that was born out of just kind of uh, realizing that I had, I had certainly been someone that was taking Kobe a little bit for granted over the last couple of years and just not wanting to do that um, as often, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think you, you, you put it perfectly in the sense that you see a bit of Kobe in, in everybody and everywhere these days. Uh, all of those examples that you said, Luca or, or LeBron, or maybe it's in like a little move that DeRozan pulls out from somewhere. It, it's, a, it's a little in Jason Tatum, who's like many, many, many years removed from sort of Kobe's time in the league. It, it, the impact that he has around as many people as, as he does, it's it's truly, truly something special. Um, the other thing, Micah, that I've, I've been told about you is that you're also a hardcore numbers and advanced stats guy. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how much of that is true, but um, it, it's always interesting because obviously there's a lot of lot of numbers and stats these days. And it, it and as someone who sort of does that uh, for a living, I, I know the value of doing something like that. But fundamentally, also basketball is is an art form, and it's it's it brings out a sort of emotion that you can't always sort of quantify with numbers and stats and everything like that. So how how have how have you seen? Uh, I guess the coverage of the league as as this sort of coverage with with numbers and stats and stuff like that grows a little bit more. And uh, what do you sort of do to maintain a balance between sort of the 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 scientific aspect of it and and the art aspect of it? Sure. Yeah. I well, first and foremost, uh, you have to watch games. So anybody that is uh, crunching numbers or making one argument over the other, but they're not sitting there and and watching games and watching it unfold on the floor, uh, you can't you can't do one without the other. Or you you can't you can't do the numbers component of it without watching games. Whereas you, I mean, you can mm-hmm. watch games and and not give a damn about any of the number stuff. I do think that the just the overall. Uh, commentary is for the most part uh a lot smarter now and it's because i think that never never have more fans uh understood more about the game had more access to uh to to numbers and metrics that are explaining what's actually happening on the floor you can't nobody can ever just like say anything anymore and have zero evidence to back it up so in in that regard I think that it's sort of I, I do think that it's it's improved the overall way in which sort of the game, the game and the sport uh, 
is covered. And, you know, even, even doing something like, you know, talking about how so-and-so is, is so, is so clutch and debating, uh, you know, the most clutch guys in the league. And we can literally point and say like, no, that's wrong. Or no, this guy's actually worse than league average or, Hey, this guy's really underrated or look at the way that this guy gets a shot. So I, I, it's gotta be a balance. You know, I am, I am very much a, uh, you know, my, my background in this industry uh, started with all numbers. I, I started in the research and analytics group at ESPN, So, and, and I'm just a very quantitative person. So I will always sort of lean on that. Uh, but that said, it's, it's got to be a big balance, and uh, you can't do one without the other. I, I, I am ultimately grateful that there are people that uh, – hold commentators and hold players accountable. If, uh, if Kevin Durant is spouting out absolute nonsense in a post game press conference or in a sit down one-on-one, it's very easy for somebody to, to now completely debunk something he says or, or to support something he says. Mm -hmm. I, I think that there's, there's not enough about this. I, I love nothing more than when, you know, you, you hear uh, hear a player give a really nuanced uh, answer, and then there's somebody immediately able to jump on it, take it a step further, and sort of paint that observation with supporting facts and figures, and and it helps like bring to life. I mean, you, you talked about basketball as an art form. I think that art form uh, can only sometimes be magnified by. Uh, having the evidence, having the numbers to really help explain what it is that, that you're watching on the floor. Yeah, that's that's a really great way to sort of put it together. And you you're spot on when you say you need one with the other. You can't you can't just have one of the two. Uh, and you also, I think you fundamentally very, very, very correct about how um, it's probably the most that fans know about the game from all sorts of different angles. And it's not just stats and numbers, even things like, you know, cap rules and, and exceptions and stuff like that. Like, this, is not, this is not something that a 50th percentile fan would have known back in the day, but I'm sure it yeah. is now. I mean, so like, yeah, so I, you know, I, I just mentioned the whole like holding people accountable. There were like a couple of weeks ago, uh, Stephen A. Smith, who has millions of followers and is in is one of the most influential commentators we have, went on first take spouting about how the Lakers should trade for Devin Booker. And it's like, how? <laughs> if, if that happens ten years ago, people are talking about it, people are writing about it. That those those clips get taken, and then all of a sudden, there's this firestorm of people and fans wondering like. Why the hell aren't the Lakers trading for Devin Booker? What are they doing? Because <laughs> now it, it takes five seconds because we have so many smart people covering the game and fans that understand how trades work and how the 125% rule and salary cap and trade kickers and cap space that like he says something like that and within literally within five minutes of it saying that he's trending for how much of an idiotic comment that is. Like <laughs> I think that's great. Uh, and and it's because the you know the the access to information has never been better. Um, so I think that that's one instance where uh, you know having smarter fans, smarter writers, commentators uh, just helps keep everyone. In, it's like a checks and balances. So I agree with you that this is like a hundred percent a good thing for the NBA slash basketball world. 
personally though, I kind of miss the pre-internet, pre-Wikipedia days where I could just tell a friend of mine that like, yo, Michael Jordan averaged 34 a game in the second season. Just believe me. I know it. And then they would <laughs> There'd be no like, there'd be no reason for anyone to doubt me if I just said it with enough confidence. Yeah. And unfortunately now, like those days are gone. Like someone immediately <laughs> would take the phone out there like, yo, dude. You've lost all credit. It's not 34. It was 34.3. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, no, I hear. Are you are you telling me that you you as a hot take artist have had to cool off a little bit? I don't think I've ever been a hot take artist in that sense. I just I I I, I think it has hurt my. Um, I, I I think I've in the past I've had the ability to uh, compensate my lack of knowledge with my my confidence. Yeah, I think those days have gone now. I think I think now I have to make sure my my knowledge uh, matches my confidence. I hear you. Well, see, I I love I I love the the uh, the new number of hot take arguments that are possible because of it. So like, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about this in a little bit more. But the whole like, hey, Kyrie's teams are better without him than with him. Yeah, yeah. That's a conversation that. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's a conversation that would never have happened uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. And now it's just like, oh, here you see that on off court. Here we go again. So I don't know. I, I, I take the good with the bad. So, so Micah, I, w- I want to pivot to something that's like way more difficult to quantify and something that possibly only uh, possibly can only explain through emotion is the, the NBA India game. Where you and I met, where, uh, where, where I'm—that was your first ever trip to India, right? Yes. Yeah. And you had this ridiculously long flight, and somehow soldiered through, like that mad four days or whatever it was. So. Um, it was a complete out of body experience, by the way. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine because not only are you, <laughs> like, super jet lagged, and this huge historic thing is happening, but you're also in new culture, new country, all of that. Like, I can't. Like, I, I could do maybe one of those three things, but to do them all together in the same, like, four-day stretch, it sounds insane to me. Um, so, I mean, taking back to that, what are, like, the flashbulb mem- memories you have of your trip to Mumbai? Yeah, I, I mean, the... Um, I remember, you know, just, just showing up and immediately upon touching down and stepping foot inside the airport terminal, uh, seeing, you know pictures of of Marvin Bagley and Buddy Heald and DeMontis Sabonis and guys with with posters lining the halls at, at at the airport and people stopping and taking pictures and being excited about it and I think that right right then and there understanding sort of just the scope of the sport and uh the lengths that the NBA is going to really try to make inroads uh in India where there's I I mean limitless potential um, and then just the, I will, I will never forget the, the first game in particular. Um, you know, the, the second the game was still, yeah. was still fine, but the first game with the kids and players really, I really treating a preseason game like, like it was a, like it was a playoff game. Yeah. Uh, I, I truly believe that that's not just sort of a, cherry picking a couple of moments here there to try to paint the narrative that everyone was trying so hard. I mean, that was, that was pretty crazy watching guys play that hard and put that much effort into a preseason game. And then like I Larry bird, uh, 
yeah. getting a louder ovation than the Priyanka Chopra. Yes. And then that, having to to cut to cut <laughs> Priyanka's short and go back to Larry Bird because people were still losing their mind. Like that was an amazing moment. So so I mean I, I I'm I'm happy you were amazed by that because like I grew up in this country and and I know how big a deal Priyanka Chopra is. She's she's a goddess. Yeah. Like if she she walks on any street here, people will just like the, the, the India will stop working wherever she's walking past, you know. Um, <laughs> and 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 I mean that's a compliment. She's amazing. But yeah. But uh, and and so for me to see that 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 at least in this one particular arena, Larry Bird is, um, you know, is 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 the bigger god in 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 uh, relatively than her is was just incredible to see. Um, and I'll say something else. That, that's that's an example of my confidence overcompensating my knowledge. Is that this was pro- the first game was possibly the greatest ever preseason game ever played. I'm just gonna say that. I'm just gonna put that out there. I'm, I love I'm, it. I've no facts to back it up, but I'm just gonna. I'm just saying it. You don't need facts to back it up. <laughs> Screw all those numbers, guys out there. You don't need facts. <laughs> I, um, I, no, I mean, it's a from a. Um, you know, from a competitive standpoint, it was amazing. But I mean, even like I hinted earlier about like had how something worked so well in a preseason game in Mumbai yeah. that the NBA is essentially taking something from that and implementing it into the All Star game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what was one of the reasons that the All Star game uh, was as as competitive as it was. So I mean, even that is a is a far reaching, pretty immediate impact. You know. So what you're telling me, Micah, is that the next time in an All-Star game, if we see a a timeout for a chai break, that's coming from from an India preseason game as well. A hundred percent. They should just move completely move the entire preseason to India. That's oh. actually what I'm saying. <laughs> yep, that'll be Excellent awesome. Stuff. <laughs> um, one last thing, sort of, before we let you go, Micah. Um, there's obviously like sort of somewhat of a half of a season that's left uh, in the next two, three months before we sort of get to the playoffs and everything. Um, what are your, what is your like top most intriguing storyline for the next two or three months? So I feel like we've, we've all got a few things on our head, but if you had to pick the one thing that sort of it intrigues you the most, the thing that you're looking forward to, how it pans out over the next couple of months before uh, we sort of head to the playoffs, uh, what, what do you think that is? I I am uh, I, this is a little bit uh, this is certainly I am not going to be the first or last person to say this but I'm I am immensely fascinated by the Houston Rockets mm. I think it's the uh, I think it's the craziest on court uh, strategy uh, a team really leaning into its identity I can't ever remember something remotely similar to this uh, I'm all for like a six-five center, like James Harden's jumping center to start games. <laughs> Russell Westbrook's like playing power forward. Um, I I'm all in. I love what Houston's doing. I have no idea if it'll work, um, but I think it's it's immensely fascinating. So I, I think that 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 more than anything is something that I'm uh, keeping an eye on. And if there's a if there was a one B, and I think that there has to be a one B, uh, it's just like zion and the pelicans and hoping and praying that they get in the uh, that they get in the playoffs just so we get zion and lebron uh facing off in round one 
Uh, Karan, any thoughts on uh, and I guess like first off Houston Rockets and then so, and then Zion. So I had them. I had the Rockets as one of my like three sort of think teams too that to sort of look look out for, and 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 I am also intrigued by 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 their experiment. But I'll add like I, I don't think they're doing like the direction of their decision making. I don't find it completely wild because like. Th- it's it's sort of what D'Antoni's career has always been like. This is this is almost the natural uh, continuation of his personality in a way, um, and uh, yeah, it's it, it's fascinating to watch. I, w- I would love to see it. What you mentioned on Zion and Lakers that'd be great because anyways, Pelicans and Lakers they have each other's players, so so there's yeah. gonna be the other clash as well too. For me, the most intriguing um, team personally is are the Seventy Sixers. I'm just so like both disappointed and excited by them. I, I I can't put my finger on it because there are times I see them and their defensive potential is all time great. And this time, are you? I'm sorry. Go on. Are you at all like? Are you at all just like fatigued or exhausted about talking about the 76ers and how weird they are? <laughs> so I, I'm personally not because it's every time there's something new to talk about. It's like it's it's not the same old except for Ben Simmons shooting. That's something that that's always going to be a, a topic of conversation. But because he's so good at like every other basketball skill set, he's just one of the greats of our time. But every other basketball skill set, it's it it makes it so much more complex, so so much more complicated. Like if he was, you know, if he was an average player at most other things, it'd be very easy to just like dump on him. But because yeah. he's so good. And his shooting is so bad, and not just his shooting, his his lack of uh, uh, his, his 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 lack of, of of wanting to shoot is so bad that it just makes it so much fascinating. And of course, uh, Joel Embiid is one of my favorite personalities in the NBA, and his off and ons, like when he switches it on, he can be the best player in the league. But he sort of goes through games. It's just I'm endlessly fascinated by them. Like now they are starting Al Horford by off the bench. I'm guessing, so it's. Everything about them interests me a lot, and um, I guess the 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 only other fascination I had, and this is not a playoff fascination, is that Steph Curry returns for the worst team in the NBA very soon. I I thought you were gonna say uh, whether your New York Knicks finish bottom enough to get like a good pick, but um, I don't I, I'm, I'm glad you Knicks. didn't say that. I I, I don't <laughs> want to talk about the Knicks. Please let's. let's, let's I've I'm having a great morning. I've had two cups of coffee. I, you start talking about the Knicks, I actually might have to start drinking. So I, <laughs> Let's respectfully move on from my New York Knicks. Uh, I'm going to say... No, no. Uh, my last thing was seeing Curry back with the Warriors. I'm, I'm very excited. I, I, I really miss watching Steph Curry play basketball. And, and him in the worst team in the NBA. Like, let's go. I, I just, in a new situation, I, w- I would just love to see that. You know what? I'm. I hope that they unleash Steph. And look, they're not going to. They're going to be careful. Yeah. I want them to just like treat it like he's James Harden and be like, "Yeah, man, you want to shoot forty times? Like, yeah, yeah, go yeah. ahead." Um, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I'm actually. That's one of the things looking back now that I wish badly. Golden State had won Game Six of the Finals last year. Yes. Just so we could have gotten a Game Seven yes, in yes. which Steph had no. No Clay, no Durant, and was just going to have to just go into a complete full chucker mode. Uh, because yeah. Steph Curry well, no. is my favorite player in the league, and I, I love when he just starts just 
playing with without a conscience. It, it's no Clay, no Durant, and no sort of reason to save himself, like save his body. Exactly. Like he just like this is it. This is game seven. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Uh, Kaushik, what about you? And uh, what are the intriguing storylines? Did we hit any of yours? Anything we missed? Uh, yeah, a little bit, little bit of Philly, of course. I think that most of the teams now, we kind of know who they are. We we have a rough idea of who they are. But Philly, I think we still don't. So I, I don't want to talk too much more. Uh, and I kind of get the concern that you have, Micah, that aren't you guys tired of <laughs> debating this? Uh, I, that's definitely a, a very, very valid point. Also... Yeah agree with both of you guys on on Houston and like how far they can take this this experiment of theirs but I feel like the only the, the two other teams that we kind of haven't spoken about which which are both intriguing for different reasons are, are the Clippers like what are they doing with Reggie Jackson how many more sort of ball stoppers do they want in their team now the first they go get Morris now it's Reggie Jackson like I don't I don't know what their plan is uh but I guess they're just stockpiling um and, and Doc Rivers is just doing like a lot of different things um, that I don't know. I don't know. Like I feel like he's one of the most overrated coaches out there. And shots uh, fired. I kind of, I kind, I kind of want to see them fail. Not just because I want my Lakers to win, but um, I, I don't understand a lot of things that's going on there. But at the same time, Kawhi is like, is is this is playing at absurdly like higher levels than than he's been playing before. So I want to see how that sort of goes. The other one is of course. Um, Giannis and and the Bucks like for some reason they're they're performing better than they were at this time last year like that wasn't expected and Giannis is playing like 29 30 minutes a game and he's putting up better numbers than his MVP season last year so how far does that go in in the playoffs those are those are questions that sort of uh, keep me keep me thinking about April I, the Bucks are a great call to me they're uh, they were asked me to have three things ready the bucks were going to be my third mm. my third thing i think that they're wildly fascinating and i think that they're being uh they're being slept on in ways that I, i'm not sure is uh fair is not the right word because of they they lost four straight to to go out last year in the playoffs but look mm. that, that game three that they lost in the playoffs last year to toronto in double overtime if they win that game yeah they go 3-0 they end up going to the finals where they would have won because yeah. golden state was was hurt and then we'd be talking about a bucks team that's looking for two straight titles on pace to win 70 yeah. i think right now they have the best scoring margin in nba history like we'd be talking about milwaukee like not only are they the prohibitive favorite, but like, can anyone even win a game off of them mm-hmm. come playoff time? And because because Kawhi Leonard turned into Michael Jordan for <laughs> a week and a half, uh, people somehow are completely sleeping on uh, on how awesome Milwaukee is. They're they're a juggernaut. I think they're great. Well, and that's the I mean, what you just expressed, like. Uh, it, it's both the beauty and the curse of you know the NBA playoffs and how we tend to remember things, is that if the the, the 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 regular season is so long that we almost become numb to great performances, but in the playoffs in those one and a half two weeks when great things happen, those are memories that stick with us, and um, and and it's where like sort of legends are are are, are made or broken. So as unfair as it sounds, you know. Giannis has to take that leap the same way Kawhi did uh, most recently, and uh, I would love to see it. Like he's he's playing at an insane level right now. Um, 
Micah, I, I imagine you'll be attending a lot of the playoff for finals games if if you are around. Like, what's what, what's gonna what are your next few months gonna look like? Uh, next few months are trying to get some sleep to recover, <laughs> not only from All Star Weekend, but I feel like I'm still like hungover from uh, from, from my trip to India. <laughs> Uh, you sound like sound like the kings and pacers making excuses. <laughs> More so the kings than the pacers, but yeah. So so I remember uh, uh, just sorry to interrupt you. I remember both these teams started like zero and five or zero and four. Um, yeah. And it, and so like the, it was a running joke that the, it's the Mumbai curse has really hurt them both very badly in the regular season. Pacers now are killing it, obviously. I briefly, I briefly, uh, the thought crossed my mind to ask Buddy Heald about that because mm-hmm. I was standing in front of him at, at uh, availability for the uh, the three point shootout guys, and the, the thought crossed my mind to ask him <laughs> about like, hey, looking back on it, what do you remember about India? And then yeah. I'm like, I don't, wanna get, I don't want to get kicked out. So. <laughs> um, um, okay, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Micah, before you before we let you go. Uh, if you had to call, who's going to win the title this year? Uh, and you have five seconds to do it. Clippers over Bucks. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, yeah, Kaushik, I thought I, I, you were going to ask our more uh, our more prescient question, which we do when we put people on the spot. Is Michael? I was waiting for you to do what, it. What's <laughs> the best thing you ate while you were in India? More importantly, I mean, I I am all in on on some hot buttered chicken. There we go. Done. I like and I drop the it, mic. I had it, probably half my meals were that, and I I couldn't be more in. It was awesome. Well, the, the last statement has basically made you the, the, the hoop version version of the 2019 Kawhi Leonard run. Uh, that was awesome. Let's go. There <laughs> we go. You're, you're already on the hoop version guest hall of fame. Yeah, already on the hall that. of fame. Thank you. I promise. I promise. I will not. Uh, I will not load manage when asked on <laughs> to appear. And I'm, I'm happy to play on the second night of a back to back. No more. There's you. You can't load manage with butter chicken. You go play every game. You, you gotta go LeBron on that. Actually, let Let's get that right. You have to be <laughs> to play every game. There we go. Um, Michael, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, I really hope you enjoy the rest of the season and the playoffs, the finals, all of that. Uh, if, if they do an NBA India games, I look forward to seeing you again. Absolutely. My pleasure, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Hey, great chatting to you, Micah. Thanks. Excellent stuff. And if you have any questions for us, uh, hit us up on Twitter. Karan is at Hoopistani and at Karan Madhukwan. I'm at underscore Karshik7. The podcast is at Hooptarshan. We're also available on Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes, Podbean, a bunch of different places. So hit us up. And if you have any questions, we'll, we'll answer them and we'll shout you out. And until next time, hashtag India Basketball.